Welcome to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers Podcast. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we want 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to be your favorite place to go to enjoy a great mix of vintage detective shows from the golden age of radio. The scripts were great, the action was hot, and even the old commercials are enjoyable. And now, another episode of 1001 Radio Crime Solvers is ready to go. Enjoy! Box 13, with the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd, as Dan Holliday. Box 13, Care of Star Times. I have something that may intrigue your sense of adventure. I myself cannot follow it up because I am blind. However, if you will come to the Braille Room at the Public Library tomorrow at 11 in the morning, you may be able to find something of interest. At 11 in the morning, you may be able to find something of interest. I think someone is in desperate danger and needs help. I'd like to know what you think. William Michaels. <laughs> well, the letter did intrigue me. And as I found out later, Mr. Michaels did have something. <laughs> Now back to Box 13 and Dan Holliday's newest adventure, House of Darkness. I wonder how this Mr. Michaels knew about Box 13, Mr. Holliday. I wonder about that too, Susie. He says he's blind. Gee, this is really one letter I'd follow up if I were you. You would? Why? Well, wouldn't you? Wouldn't I if I were you? Yeah. No. I mean, you know what I mean, don't you? Not now. I had an inkling before, but that's all gone. <laughs> Never mind, though. What time is it? Uh, quarter till 11. Well, that gives me 15 minutes to get to the public library and also get a ticket for speeding if I want to get there on time. But maybe it'll be worth it. Well, I didn't get the ticket, and exactly 15 minutes later, I walked into the Braille room at the library. There were only two people in the room, a man and a woman. The woman was busily running her sensitive fingers over a book. But the man was facing the door with a tense, expectant expression on his face. I walked over to him and sat down. He turned his face toward me and then... Box 13? That's right. You're William Michaels? Yes, yes, that's right. I didn't know whether you'd come or not. As a matter of fact, I half wish you hadn't. Your letter mentioned adventure. I never turned that down. What have you got, Mr. Michaels? This. This book? Yes, it's in Braille, as, as you can see. Yes, I know that, but what about it? Let me read you a passage from, from page 80. Listen closely. Go ahead. And the terror of the night is hidden in the dark corners of my mind, and the shapes and phantoms that live in fancy are become real. Is that all? Yes, that's all on the page, all that was originally on the page. But listen to this. Help me. 1217 Granger Avenue. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that's on the page? Yes. Someone, someone who knows how to read and write Braille has used a pin or a needle to put this message on the bottom. Let me see that page. Uh-huh. The characters are faint. But someone has done what you said. 
What do you make of it? I don't know. But before we go any further, how did you come to write to Box 13? Well, I, I have a friend who reads the newspaper to me. He saw your ad in the Star Times. Adventure wanted, will go any place, do anything, write Box 13. And being a romantic sort of fellow, he, well, he read it to me. Oh, I see. We sat and conjectured a lot of things, what you might get into through that ad. Oh, I managed to get into quite a lot of trouble, Mr. Michaels. But let's go back to this Braille message. Help me, 1217 Granger Avenue. When did you discover it? Well, uh, yesterday morning, quite by accident. I, I almost ran my fingers past it. I thought the characters were imperfections in the paper, you see. That was at first. Mm-hmm. Run your fingers over it again, will you? Yes. I did. Why? They're still sharp enough for you to read the characters. Yes, that, that's true. Therefore, they haven't had time to be pressed down, make them illegible, so to speak. And what does that mean? That they were made quite recently. Yes. Yes, of course. Oh, that's clever. No, it's just common sense. D do you think I, I should have taken this to the police? I don't know. It may be a joke, a prank. Yes, I, I thought of that. Let's find out, shall we? Are you going to that address? Oh, no, not yet. Not until I find out the name of the person who had this book out at the library. How can you learn that? <laughs> you see, every library book has a checkout card in the pocket on the inside of the front cover. Yes. Now, the checkout card has the number of the borrower's card on it. And the borrower's card has the name and address of the person. <laughs> now, let's go to the main desk, return this book, and see what the checkout card says. And that we did. We waited until the book was returned to the Braille room. Then we looked at it again. Well, does it tell you anything? The checkout card, I mean. Let me see your library card. Oh, yes. Here. Mm -hmm. Your card number is 9E4839. Now, that's the last card number written on this checkout slip. Then the one before mine must be the card number of the person who had the book out before me. Mm -hmm, maybe. There are four other borrowers' names ahead of yours... One of them has to belong to the person who put that message in the book. Copy them down, and maybe we can find out whose card it is. Uh-huh. Come on. Where to? The main desk again. Do you think it's it's some sort of joke? If it is, it's in bad taste. But coming at the end of that dismal paragraph you read me... Do you think that means anything? Your guess is as good as mine. Here we are. Oh, oh I beg your pardon, miss. Yes, sir. May I help you? I think you can. Here's a list of four card numbers. I'd like to know to whom the cards belong. Oh, I don't think I can give you that information, sir. <laughs> Against regulations? Well, yes. Well, my name is Dan Holliday. I think you have several of my books here in the library. Oh, of course. I've seen your picture on the jackets. Oh, now, don't hold that against me, please. <laughs> oh, I won't. But you wanted some names? Uh, yes. You see, I'm doing a little research, and, well, it's for a story. Well, I guess in your case it'll be all right. May I have the numbers? Oh, yes, here you are. I'll be back in a moment. I, I didn't know you were a writer. In fact, I didn't even know your name. That's right. Now you know, Dan Holliday. Then this should be just your meat, Mr. Holliday. It all depends. If one of the card numbers checks with the address of the message, then maybe we've got something. I, I almost hope it does. And then again, I... Oh, here she comes. Hold it. Here you are, Mr. Holliday. I hope you won't mention this because it is against regulations. I've already forgotten it. Are you writing a story about this? I don't know yet, but thank you very much. Not at all, Mr. Holliday. Well, 
What are the names? There are four of them, Mr. Michaels. And the last one on the list is Mrs. Martha Corbett. 1217 Granger Avenue. A half hour later, Michaels and I sat in my car a few houses down from 1217 Granger Avenue. Maybe the whole thing was a joke. Then again, maybe it wasn't. Michael sat silently for a couple of minutes and then... Do you... Do you see anyone, Mr. Holliday? No, not a soul. What kind of place is it? Big, dark. Not at all the type of house associated with sweetness and light. Oh. Uh-huh. But then maybe I'm making mysteries out of nothing. You're, you're not going in? With what? Could I ask to see Mrs. Martha Corbett? Why not, if she needs help? We don't know that, Michaels, and we... Why did you stop talking? Isn't that a car? Yes. Yes, it is. Stopped in front of the house. Who is it? I don't know. But it's a doctor's car, and he's getting out. Doctor? Uh Uh-huh. Which means nothing at all. Doctor's illegal. What's he doing? He's gone into the house. Michaels, I've got an idea. What is it? I'm going to make a phone call and find out something. A phone call? To whom? To the automobile club and find out who belongs to that license number on the doctor's car. Then later, I'll visit the doctor. Well, I found out who the doctor was. I dropped Michaels to the library and told him I'd meet him there later. It took me ten minutes to convince the doctor's receptionist that I had to see him. Then in his office... My nurse tells me you insisted upon seeing me, Mr. Uh, Mr. The name is Holiday, Dan Holiday. Oh, very well, Mr. Holiday. Uh, what seems to be the trouble? I uh, I have a headache. Headache? <laughs> Good heavens, man! My nurse seemed to think it was some fatal disease. Well, it's a bad headache. Um, who sent you to me, Mr. Holiday? One of your patients, Doctor Fulsey. Oh, really? Uh, may I ask which one? Oh, yes, of course. Uh, I'll give you a couple of tablets to relieve you, but the cause of the headache is something we'll have to look into. Here you are. Thank you. A glass of water. The patient who sent me was Mrs. Martha Corbett. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. I must have knocked the glass out of your hand. Although I didn't touch it. Did I? I'm sorry. That was clumsy of me. No harm done. So Mrs. Corbett sent you to me, huh? Yes, she recommended you very highly. Is that so? When did you last see her? Well, not recently. Just what are you trying to pull, Mr. Holliday? Pull? I don't understand. Evidently not. Because I don't think you even know Mrs. Corbett. No? What makes you think that? She hasn't seen anyone for six months. Not a soul. Except you. I'm her physician. So you are. Dr. Folsey, what's wrong with Mrs. Corbett? Until you tell me what you're trying to do, I refuse to answer your questions. Suppose I told you she asked for help. You're lying. Maybe you are, too. I... Mr. Holliday, I... I want to show you something... I have no idea what business this is of yours, but since you seem to think it is, I don't mind showing you these. Here, look at these papers. These, these are commitment papers for Mrs. Martha Corbett. Exactly. Seven years ago, she was confined to a sanatorium. I see. And now... And now, this. Who's the phone call to? The police, Mr. Holliday. Care to stay around for it? Put it down, Doctor. You win. Now, I'll give you just one minute to get out of my office. If you're not gone in that time, I'll complete that call. All right, Doctor. I'm sorry to have bothered you. I won't do it again. That's right. You won't. And you left his office, Mr. Holliday? What else could I do? I poked in there on a flimsy excuse. <laughs> 
You threatened to call the police? Mr. Holliday, please believe me, I'm blind myself, and I... What do you mean, Michaels? I know what she thinks, how she thinks. I don't know what you're driving at. A person who is blind develops almost a psychic sense. Call it an extra sense if you want, but he does have it. I'm sure that Mrs. Corbett needs help. Now, look, all we have is that message in the library book. I told you Dr. Falsey showed me her commitment papers. But he didn't put through the call to the police. He... Oh, I see what you mean. A bluff. Yes, it could have been. Yeah, it could have been. I wonder if a person with nothing to conceal, with nothing to be afraid of, would have gone through with that call. Well, put yourself in his place. Would you? I think I would have. Maybe you're right, Michaels. Then what are you going to do? Well, I've gone this far. I may as well go all the way. Yes? Where? All the way into that house on Granger Avenue. And now back to House of Darkness, another Box 13 adventure with Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Well, maybe it was a wild goose chase with no chance of bagging any game at the end. But it was worth the try. If Dr. Fulsey was bluffing, then he put on a good act. If he wasn't, I had to play it straight anyway. So later that same afternoon, I walked up the stairs to the front door of 1217 Granger Avenue. I rang the bell and waited. Yes? Oh, how do you do? My name is Holliday. Yes, what do you want? I'm the inspector from the power company. I have to look over the wiring and fixtures in your house. No? <laughs> if it's convenient, yes. Well, it really isn't at the moment. It'll only take a few minutes. I know it's a nuisance, but it has to be done. How long will you be? How many rooms have you got? Only six that we use. Oh. Then it'll be about a half hour. Well, all right, come in. If you have something to do, I can make the rounds myself. I'll go with you. I'll show you the rooms we use. All right. Please lead the way. The library is here. Hmm. One ceiling fixture, two wall fixtures. Any lamp outlets on the baseboards? Two, right here. Uh-huh. Well, they look okay. Ceiling fixture seems all right. Ever have any trouble with shorts, blown fuses? No, none at all. Everything in the house is in perfect working order. Oh, that's good. Makes my job easier. All right, Mr... Mr... The name is Whitley, and... Didn't you know that... I, um, I cover about a dozen houses a day. Names don't mean a thing to me. Only fixtures. Oh. Well, come this way. The dining room is just off the library. Next to that is the kitchen. Then one of the bedrooms, and the baths are off to the right of the bedroom. There are several small pantries... We went through one room after another. They have no lights in them. Then we went upstairs, and Whitley led the way along a hallway that started at the head of the stairs and ran to a window at the far end. There were only two rooms off the hallway. We stopped at the first one. This room is merely a storage room. Would you care to see it? Oh, yes, I would. That is, if you don't mind. Not at all. Oh, just an empty room. Just an empty room. As you can see, the ceiling fixture has only one bulb in it. Well, it seems to work all right. And that's all. What about that room down there? We never use it. What's in it? Nothing at all, beyond a few odds and ends of old furniture. Mind if I look at it? It's locked. <laughs> Don't you have a key for it? No, the key was lost. I'm having another one made. Perhaps if you come again sometime... It's an inside room, isn't it? No windows, I mean. Does that make any difference? I assure you, the room is never used. The lighting fixtures were sealed up some years ago. Oh, I see. Now, if that's all, and if you don't mind, I have some other things to do. And 
What's that? This is an old house. The water pipes are defective. This way, Mr. Holliday. Oh, certainly. Oh, have you a phone? Why, yes, downstairs. I'd like to use it if you don't mind. All right, if you'll follow me. He led the way back downstairs. I knew I had to stay in that house if I was to find out what or who was in that locked room. I had an idea and I hoped it worked. But if it didn't, well, I'd never get another chance to get back into the house. Then downstairs. There's the phone. Help yourself. Oh, thank you. I hope I haven't inconvenienced you, Mr. Whitley. But these things have to be done, you know. Of course. Hello? Hello, Michaels. This is Holiday. I've just made my inspection of 1217 Granger Avenue. Everything looks okay. I called to find out if there's anything else to do in this neighborhood. What? Uh-huh. Oh? Oh, hang on. I'll find out. Mr. Whitley? Yes? I wonder if you would mind looking out of the front window and see if any linemen are working the street. I... Uh, all right. I'll be back in a moment. Michaels, listen closely. Wait ten minutes after I hang up and call this number. Gramercy 8342. A man named Whitley will answer. Say you're a Dr. Falsey, and you've got to see him immediately. Give him, give him a phony address. Say you're calling from a phone booth. That's so Whitley doesn't have to check the call back. Sound excited? Nervous? Then hang up with no explanations. Have you got it? Yes, yes, I've got it. Good. Sure, Michaels, I'll go right over there right now. Oh, just a second. There are no linemen working outside at all. Oh, well, thank you. They haven't got here yet, Michaels. Yeah. See you later. So long. No, if you're quite finished. Yes, I'm quite finished. Thank you. Whitley saw me to the door. I went to my car and pretended to drive away. But I parked around the corner, then walked back toward the house. I hid in a doorway until I saw Whitley leave the house. He was in a hurry, so I knew Michael's fake call had reached him. It was evening and almost dark. I circled the house and tried all the windows until I found one leading into the basement that I could force. <laughs> Brother, I was breaking the law, but I had to. I went upstairs to the room Whitley hadn't let me see. I knocked. What do you want? Please go away. Leave me alone. Mrs. Leave Corbett. Me alone. Mrs. Corbett, I've come to help you. I found your message in the library book. You. Oh, thank heavens. Come on in. I... I thought the door was locked. No. Where are you? Come closer. I'm right here. Who are you? Never mind that now. What's going on here? Please, get me out of here. You must. The door wasn't locked. You could have gotten out. I'm blind and I'm afraid. I I tried to get out before, but someone's always there. Well, there's no one in the house now. Whitley's gone. Gone? For good? No, he'll come back. Who is he? Why are you kept in here? He's my nephew. They want me to sign the will. He's drawn up and then they'll kill me. No, no, they won't. Day after day, I put messages in books they brought me from the library. First I wrote them, but they found them. Then I put the message in Braille. I know all that. You said something about a will. Yes. If I sign it, they'll kill me, and I I can't stand it much longer. I'll have to sign it, and then they'll kill me. As soon as I sign it, they'll kill me. Mrs. Corbett. I saw Dr. Falsey. I saw commitment papers he had. It's not true. He forged them. Forged them for my nephew. Don't you see? 
If I ever got out, they'd have those papers to prove that I... I... Yes. Yes, I see. How long have you been here? A year. Please, you've got to get me out. Look, Mrs. Corbett, I broke the law by getting in here. If it happens you're not telling the truth, I'm in a bad spot. They could prosecute me. You've got to believe me. Please. Maybe I do. All right, I'll take the chance. Listen, someone came in downstairs. They're coming back. Something must have gone wrong. You can't get out of here. There aren't any windows. Listen, now you've got to help me. I'll get in that closet. Don't give any sign that you know I'm here. Hurry, hurry. They mustn't find you. That's up to you. I got into the closet and waited. Then I heard... Well, Aunt Martha, I was a little worried about you. Whitley, we've got to get her out of here. Don't worry, Fawcy, we will. You had to fall for that fake inspector, Jack. Shut up. Aunt Martha, we'll give you one more chance. Sign the will now and nothing will happen to you. If you don't, we'll... No, I won't sign it now. What does she mean, now? I... I don't know. Aunt Martha, what did you mean? Nothing, nothing. She did, Whitley. Yeah, that fake call from you. Aunt Martha, is someone here? No, there's no one. Please let me alone. Fawcy, go to the closet. Open the door. Me? Don't worry. If someone's in there, we can take care of them. Go on. Whitley, it's him, the man who came to see me. Well, well, the inspector himself. Come on out. All right. And what do you think you'll do with that gun? What do you think? Fawcy. What? Call your office. Arrange for an ambulance to come here. What are you going to do? What we have to do. Look, no killings, please. Shut up. May I ask how you found out about the fake call from our Dr. Fawcy? I called his office when he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Well, Fawcy, go on. Please, Whitley, no killing. You're in this up to your neck. You'll do as I say. Oh, sure. Do what he says, Dr. Fawcy. Throw away a lifetime of helping others. Isn't that what a doctor does? You shut up. All right, I will. Whitley, there's some other way. I don't think so. No, there's no other way, Dr. Fulsey. Just do what he says. Forget that you once took an oath, an oath that all doctors take. It's easy to forget, isn't it? You'll stop talking now, Holiday, or I'll see that you do. <laughs> One way or the other, I'll get it. So why shouldn't I talk now? Go ahead, doctor. Call the ambulance. Take Mrs. Corbett and me out of here. Go ahead. Fulsey, go on. He left the house. Whitley had a gun in my back. Mrs. Corbett had been drugged and was put on a stretcher. The ambulance waited in front. I looked around. The street was almost deserted except for one man walking slowly toward the house. Then I heard it. The tapping of a cane. The lone man coming closer. It was Michaels. He stopped. Holiday, get in the ambulance. Go on. Whitley, for the last time, don't try this. Whitley, we've got to hurry. Go on, Holiday. What are you staring at? That man? No. He's blind, isn't he? Holiday, that man, you know him? No, I don't. I think you do, and you make one sound, one move to let him know what's going on. He goes with us, too. I said I don't know him. I don't believe you. And remember what I said, one move and he goes along. If you want that to happen, do as you please. Well, that's better. Remember what I said. Let him get past. Oh. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I stumbled. It's all right. Hurt? No, no, no. I caught myself against the, the side of this car. All right. It frightened me. I, I seem to have dropped my cane. 
Here you are. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, that's being a good boy, Holiday. You would have killed him too, wouldn't you? Yes. <laughs> you saved his life, Holiday. Now get in. And we'll all take a little ride. Well, it looked hopeless. This was going to be a great ride. Our only hope was Michael's, but how could he help? He was blind. Whitley must have read my mind because he laughed. <laughs> you were very smart, Holiday, but you seem to have outsmarted yourself. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? But do you really think you're going to get away with this? Why not? Your only hope is a blind man. Whitley? What's that? Fosey, what's that? Police cars. All right, don't get excited. They can't be after us. Whitley, they are after us. Don't lose your head. Looks like something slipped up, doesn't it, Whitley? <laughs> You're whistling in the dark. Look, they're signaling us to stop. What? Go on. Get going. Outrun them. It's no use. We can't do it. There's a traffic signal ahead. Oh, have them go through it. No, they'll shoot. Holiday, this is your fault. I'll get you. I'll kill you. you... Oh, no, you I'll don't. I'll kill you. Oh. Looks like this is your last ride, Whitley. Polsey, tell the driver to stop this ambulance. Yes, Mr. Holliday. I don't know how Michaels did it, Whitley. But I'm very glad he did. Jeepers. How'd you ever do it, Mr. Michaels? <laughs> With these. Just his hands and his fingers, Susie. I don't get it. Sure, Michaels. Oh, all right. Now, look, Susie. Here's a coin with a date on it. Yeah? The date is 1935. <laughs> you... Oh, you felt those numbers with your fingers? <laughs> That's right, Susie. And it was simple for him to run his fingers over the license plates of the ambulance. <laughs> when I stumbled, I, I dropped my cane. I ran my hands over the car. I knew it wasn't a regular automobile. And I felt the license plate. Gee, and then you went to the police. That's right. And that, Susie, is what you call using your head and fingers. <laughs> Good night. Listen in again next week when, through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd stars as Dan Holliday in Box 13. Box 13 is directed by Richard Sandville, and this week's original story was written by Sam Walters. Original music is composed and conducted by Rudy Schrager, and the part of Susie is played by Sylvia Picker. Vern Carstensen is in charge of production. Box 13 is a Mayfair production from Hollywood. Watch for Alan Ladd in his latest Paramount picture. Box 13, with the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Box 13, care of Star Times. If you're interested in preventing a murder, come to 327 North Greeley Street in Edgemont. It should take you only three hours by train to get here. But you must come at exactly 3.30, or it may be too late. Hmm. The whole letter was typed. Even the signature at the bottom, Pat Kennedy. 
I didn't know if Pat Kennedy was a man or a woman. But as it turned out, it didn't matter. Even though I got there before 3.30. And now, back to Box 13 and Dan Holliday's newest adventure, Double Trouble. Will you be gone this time, Mr. Holliday? Well, that's a little hard to tell, Susie. I think it depends on Pat Kennedy, whoever he or she is. I don't like letters that have only type signatures at the bottom. Why not? Well, it, it, it always makes me think that someone else wrote it. And that's exactly what makes me think this may be very interesting. You mean you agree with me? Absolutely. But you're still going to Edgemont. That's right, Susie. <laughs> I'll never learn, will I? Someday you'll get into trouble. What makes you think I haven't already? Well, don't put the light in the window for me, Susie. I'll try to find my way around in the dark. So long. Well, whoever wrote that letter was right. The train left me on Edgemont Station platform exactly three hours after I left Susie. And a taxi left me in front of 327 Greeley Street at 320, ten minutes before deadline. It was an apartment house. I walked into the lobby. A not-too-interested clerk looked up as I walked over to him. Yeah. Is there a Pat Kennedy living here? Uh-huh. Miss Pat Kennedy. Why? I'd like to see her. Apartment 1B, straight down the hall. Um, aren't you going to ring her up first? Well, no, phone in her place. But be sure you knock first. Oh, sure, sure. That's one of my good habits. 1B, you said, huh? Yeah, uh, one, 1B, I said. Thank you. Sure, anytime. I got to apartment 1B. I knocked. Then I tried the door. It was open, and I walked in. Miss Kennedy? Pat Kennedy? I walked into the apartment a little farther. A clock on a table ticked away, its hands at 323. There was a window open in the room, and I walked to it. The window faced a court. I turned away from it, walked into the bedroom, and I stopped. Miss Kennedy? Miss Kennedy. Don't move, bud. Huh? Get away from her. You better send for a doctor. Just stay right where you are. Doctor? It's a little late for that. She's dead. Yeah, I thought so. Oh. Oh, you did, huh? And who are you? I think I'll ask the questions. Stand right there. Now, look, this girl's been killed. I'm going for the... Oh. His fist hit me right on the button, and when I got my interest back, he was still there, looking down at me. With him was another man. The newcomer blinked once or twice, and then... The next time you try to make a break for it, fellow, make sure you don't try an end run past an ex-pug. Hmm. What makes you think he's ex? Come on, get up. What's this all about? Got any idea who we are? No. My name is Johnston. Lieutenant Johnston, homicide. Who called the police? Yeah, that's what I'd like to know. Cassidy? Yeah, Lieutenant? Bring that clerk in here. Yes, sir, right away. So you're the police. Uh-huh. And you're Dan Holliday, visiting Edgemont. How do you know who I am? Yeah, your wallet, identification. Oh, thanks. Okay, start talking. Who did this? Are you kidding? Hardly. Take a look at her and then ask that again. I'm sorry, but I don't know anything about it. You no? Know? Cassidy walked in on you while you were bending over. So what? That doesn't mean anything. Well, maybe not, but Here's I'll... the clerk, Lieutenant. Okay. Ever see this man before? You, I'm talking to you. Me? That's right. 
Sure, I seen him. He came in maybe 10 minutes ago and asked for Miss Kennedy. Is that right, Holiday? Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Cassidy? Uh, yes, sir. What time did you walk in on this? Uh, maybe uh, 3.25. That's right, too. You, uh, clerk, what's your name? Marvin. Marvin Redmond. Anyone else come to see Miss Kennedy today? Uh, no, sir, nobody. Just this man. You sure? Yes. Could anybody get by you at the desk? Oh, no, I see everybody who comes in. Uh-huh. Well, Holiday? What do you mean, well? You were the only one here. Now, wait a minute. I don't know any more about this than you do. I came in here and found her like that. Why? Why what? Why did you come to see her? She asked me to. Old friends? I didn't even know her. <laughs> you want to say that again? Uh, what I meant was I didn't know who she was. Yeah. Wait a minute. There's a letter in my wallet. A letter? Yeah, I... It wasn't here. What kind of a letter are you talking about? It's a letter from Miss Kennedy asking me to help her. She was afraid of being killed. She had a reason. So you got a letter from her. That's right. Someone took the letter. Where did you find my wallet? Yeah, on the floor. Why? The person who killed her also took that letter out of my wallet. <laughs> Look, you tried to get past Cassidy. He thought you were making a break for it and slugged you. And then he called headquarters. You weren't alone for even ten seconds. Meaning no one could have taken that letter? Right. Oh, no, that, that's wrong. I mean, I... I... Huh? What were you going to say, Redmond? Well, that... there's no phone in here. Mr. Cassidy had to come to the desk to make a call. Cassidy, did you? Well, well, sure, but this guy was out cold. He couldn't get away, so I thought it... So you thought it was all right to take a walk down the hall? You idiot. You should have called for the clerk and got him to make the call. But, Lieutenant, yeah, I thought... but... Well, Lieutenant Johnson... Shut up. You're going to headquarters. On what charge? Just one, but it's a good one. Suspicion of murder. So that's your story, huh, Holiday? You're a good Samaritan. You help people. That's it. Call Lieutenant Kling. I gave you the number. Yeah, I'll give you some news. This happens to be Edgemont, different city. I'm the lieutenant here. Kling can identify me, verify my story. I'll do all the police work necessary on this case. Sure, sure you will. Cassidy, one of your men, pulls a prize boner. He walks out of a room where there's a murdered girl. He leaves me there alone. So what? That's exactly what you're thinking. So what? Cover for him. Use me as a goat. You've got a sucker. Is that it? Play him for all he's worth. Yeah, I'll play you for all you're worth. You were the only one to see that Kennedy girl today. So that makes me a killer. That makes you the best suspect I've ever seen. What's my motive for killing? I'll her? find one. Oh, you will? I will. So you really believed I killed her? I do. Mm -hmm. You want to charge me with murder? Or just book me on suspicion? I... You're a pretty smart boy, aren't you? Just smart enough to know that you don't have enough evidence to charge me. And while we're on the subject of intelligence, how come your man Cassidy was Johnny on the spot? You'd like to know, wouldn't you? It might help. And we were tipped. Someone called headquarters, said there'd be a murder at that address, and I sent Cassidy. Uh-huh. So the letter I got from her is gone. Somebody tips the police, and you still refuse to believe it might have been a frame. With me doing the laughing cavalier inside it. I'll tell you everything when I've got everything. Meanwhile, you'll cover for Cassidy so your detective division doesn't get a laugh. Shut up. Yes? Lieutenant? Who'd you expect, Sherlock? Lieutenant, uh, is it all right to talk? Can you? Is, uh, is Holiday going to be charged? Uh, what do you got, Cassidy? Why do you ask that? Because there's an attorney here with a writ of habeas corpus. What? What did you say? Well, there's a lawyer here. Shut up! Well, got friends in town, Holiday? If so, they're very welcome. And you said you were a stranger in Edgemont. 
I still say it. Uh-huh. Yet a perfect stranger comes along and springs you on a writ. Is that so? And he knows there'll have to be a bail post. Brother, that's hospitality. Well, Lieutenant, is there a formal charge or do I walk out of that door? Well, get out. Well, thank you. But I'm not finished with you. Don't try to leave town or you'll be picked up for jumping bail. Don't worry. I'm just as much interested in this as you are. Holiday, mark my words, I believe you're guilty. And so help me, as sure as I'm a foot high, I'll get evidence to prove it. Even if you have to frame me to clear that great brain, meaning Cassidy. Yeah, I'll get you. And when I do, it'll be for keeps. Well, Lieutenant Johnson was burned. He knew his department was in for a roasting if Cassidy's mistake got out. Meanwhile, I looked very funny as a goat. <laughs> and I didn't even know who had had me released. The lawyer brought the writ and put my bail up, wouldn't say a word. He left me, and it was dark when I walked out on the street. I couldn't leave Edgemont, and I didn't want to. Not yet. I got into a cab knowing I'd be followed by one of Johnson's men. and went to a hotel and registered. I was just sitting down to think when... Yes, who is it? Is that Mr. Holliday? Yes, who are you? Please, I must see you. Please let me in. Oh, no, thanks. Not until I know who and what you are. Look, I will slide something under the door. You look at it, then you decide that you should let me in or not. All right? Go ahead. Did it come through? Yeah. You are satisfied, Mr. Holliday? This, this is a receipt for my bail bond. Yes, I'm the one who got you out. Please, I can come in now. You're Philip Duval. Yes, yes. Now, please to let me in before it is too late. Okay, come on in quickly. <sighs> Mr. Holliday, you know that you are followed here. Sure, Johnson's watching every move I make. Yes. Why'd you bail me out? What do you know about Pat Kennedy? I knew her ten years ago, maybe. We were dancing partners. Wait a minute. Were you followed up here? Oh, no, no, I am sure that I was not. How do you know? Because the police do not know me. Well, how do you know I was here? I was watching Pat's room. Yes, go on. Then I waited outside the police station. I see you come out. I see the detective follow you. I make sure I am not followed. Then I come here. Uh-huh. And then what? I come to this hotel and take a room. I looked at the register. I see your name. Then I wait and then come here. Mr. Duvall, you seem to know quite a bit about how to evade tacklers and slip away from enemies. Because I want to know who killed her. How was she to you? We, we are in love once. Then she leaves me. I do not see her for a long time. I find out she is here, and I come. And kill her. No, 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 please. Please, would I do all this for you if I kill her? Why, why? Maybe I'll find an answer. What do you want with me now? I want, I want to give you this. This is a letter addressed to Box 13. Yes, yes. You will please to read it. Box 13. By accident, I saw your ad in the Star Times. I must have your help because I cannot go to the police. Please come to me as soon as you can. You see, she is afraid. The one time I see her, she tells me she is afraid. Of what? Of whom? I do not know. How did you get hold of this letter? She gave it to me to mail. I, I laugh at her. I think she is being foolish. But now... So you didn't mail it? No, no. Yet, I did receive a letter with a typed signature. A letter that anyone could have written. Yes, yes. Okay, Mr. Duvall. Sit down and do a lot of talking. Oh, no, not here. 
you will please come to my address later tonight. Why? Because, because although I am not sure, I think I know who killed her. And unless you want to be arrested for her murder, I think you better come to see me. And now back to Double Trouble, another Box 13 adventure with Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Well, I had to take Duvall at his word. What that word was, I didn't know. Maybe he did kill Pat Kennedy. Maybe he didn't. Anyway, I had to see him. I slipped out of the hotel knowing that one of Johnson's men was trailing me. I had to find some way to get rid of him. There was a war surplus store open down the street. I went in. Yes, sir. Can I help you? Yes, I think so. Got any coveralls? Oh, sure. Stacks of them. What size? 44. <laughs> any place I can try them on? Yes, the small room in the back. I'll get you a pair of the coveralls. Uh, it's all right. I'll look for them myself. I'd like to pick them out. All right. They're all on the racks there. How much are they? Three ninety-five. <laughs> okay, here you are. Thank you. Even change. Just take your pick. Yeah, thanks. I slipped behind one of the racks. The plainclothesman trailing me was waiting outside. I picked one of the coveralls from the rack and slipped into the back room. Pulled the coveralls over my clothes and climbed out of the room through a window. <laughs> it wasn't a great disguise, but it was better than having the police look for a man wearing a light gray suit. Twenty minutes later, I rang the bell at Duvall's place. Yes? Is Mr. Duvall here? Philip? Yes, Philip Duvall. No, he's not here. Uh, will you come in, please? Oh, thank you. I'm worried for him. He said he would be home an hour ago, but uh, he's not come. No phone call to you? No. Uh, who are you, please? A friend of his. My name is Holiday. Holiday? Then, then you are the man he went to see. Tonight? We. Oui. You mean he called and said he was going to see me? No, he went earlier. Uh -huh. And he hasn't come back yet? No. Oh, I'm so worried. Do, do you know Pat Kennedy? Yes, I know her. I read that she is dead, and I'm glad. Glad? Why? Philip loved her. She did not love him. She left him. Yes, I know all that. Philip did not know Miss Kennedy was here until he happened to see her. Did he mention that she was afraid of something? Yes, he told me. But I ask him, I beg him not to see her because she's not good. She's not good at all. Do you know of what she was afraid? No. Only that Philip told me that she could not go to the police, that the police would not be able to help. I wonder why not. I do not know. I know nothing except that I want my son to forget her, because if he does not, she will bring bad things, she will. That's your phone. It's probably your son. Yes, it is, Philip. Would you tell him I'm here, please, in a hurry? Yes? Uh, yes, this is Mrs. Duval. No, no, I'm his mother. Huh? No. What? No. What's the matter? No. no. Not the secret. Give me the receiver quickly. Oh, no. Hello. Mrs. Duval can't talk. I. No. What? 
Goodbye. <laughs> Mrs. DePaul, I'm terribly sorry. They do not mean what they say. They do not mean my son cannot be dead. I'm, I'm afraid it's true. That was the police. What will I do? What will I do? Wait here, Mrs. Duvall. I'm beginning to get an idea. What the idea was was a little fantastic, but things began to add up. The first place to check my addition was back at Pat Kennedy's apartment. There were no police watching the place, so I slipped in. The same clerk was on duty. I walked up to his desk. Uh-huh. Anything I can do for... Hey, you. Hello, Marvin. What do you want? I thought you was in jail. They let me out. Marvin, how long did Miss Kennedy live here? I... You got no right Come to... on, come on. I'm not going to hurt you. I just want some questions answered. I know nothing about it. I think you do. Who came to see Miss Kennedy when she was alive? Listen, I don't want no trouble. You've got it. Answer me. Did anyone come to see Miss Kennedy often? Yeah, but I, I didn't know who he was. Not until... Until the day, huh? That's right. I didn't know. But that don't make no difference. But it makes a lot of difference now. Thanks, Marvin. You've helped me a lot. You ain't gonna get me in no trouble. No, no trouble at all for anyone except me. I want to go into Miss Kennedy's apartment. You can't go in there. I think I can. Come on, Marvin, let me in. You, you said there wasn't gonna be no trouble. Marvin, you'll get up off of that chair and let me in Miss Kennedy's apartment or I'll... Okay, okay. But you're making me do it. If the police ask, you're making me do it. That's right. Come on. Come on, then. That's the boy. Straight ahead. Go ahead in, Marvin. I got to get back to the desk. Sure, and call the police? I don't think so, Marvin. You're staying right here. What are you looking for? A typewriter. You see any? She didn't have none. How do you know? I never heard her using one. Mm -hmm. Look around if you see one, yo. I got to get back to the desk. Just a minute. In a minute. There ain't no typewriter in here. Uh-huh, I didn't think there would be. Well, then what's the idea? A good one. Okay, Marvin, I'm sorry to do this, but I'm going to have to put you out of action for a little while. Until I can get into action. What are you going to do? You ain't going to hit me or nothing like oh, that. Oh, no, don't worry. You're just going to be tied up. It'll be uncomfortable. But I'll tell you something, Marvin. What? You won't be half as uncomfortable as I was. And still could be. <laughs> So, Miss Kennedy didn't have a typewriter. And the letter Duvall had shown me proved that she wrote a letter to me by hand. So, it was a frame to get me for her murder. And I had a pretty good idea who put it around me. But proving it was another matter. I took off the coveralls I was still wearing, hopped a cab, and went back to police headquarters. And when I walked in... Hey, it's you. Hello, Cassidy. Where did you come from? Never mind that now. Is Lieutenant Johnson in? No, he ain't. No, I don't wait. Do you mind? What do you want to see him about? The murder of Miss Pat Kennedy and the murder of Philip Duvall. What are you talking about? I'll tell the lieutenant all about it. Uh, maybe you better tell me, Holiday. I'm saving it. Mind if I wait in Johnson's office? How about waiting in my office? Hmm. No, thanks. I like to be alone and do some thinking. What about? Lots of things. But this is getting us nowhere. I'm going into Johnson's office. I told you we ain't in. I know you told me, and I told you I'd wait for him. Okay. Okay, go ahead in and wait. Well, thanks, Cassidy. I'll tell him you're in there. And don't try to get out once you're in. 
Don't worry, I'll stay put this time. So far, so good. I took a quick look around Johnson's office. There was a typewriter, and I tried it. The type looked the same as the typing on the letter I'd received. The one supposed to have come from Pat Kennedy. Then, as I was looking around... Are you looking for something, Holiday? Oh, come in, Lieutenant. You just love to stick your head in bad places, don't you? Look, Johnson, you would like to know who killed Pat Kennedy, wouldn't you? I know. Maybe you do. And maybe you'd also like to know who killed Philip Duvall, because he knew of what Pat Kennedy was afraid. He was afraid? Of what? Not of what, Johnson? Of whom? What have you got, Holiday? Look, the killer murdered her after he sent me that letter. He killed her just before I was due to show up there. Go on. But the letter was missing from my wallet. If there was a letter? There was, and it was written on this. What are you talking about? You're crazy. I don't think so. From all I found out, Miss Kennedy wasn't too nice. Maybe, maybe she was keeping company with someone who got tired of her. Someone who couldn't afford to let it be known that he knew her. Uh, who is this he you're talking about? The same man who took the letter from my wallet. The same man who watched me go into that apartment building and then called the police and tipped you to the murder. There was only one man alone with you. That's right. Cassidy? Could be. Now, wait a minute. You wait. I'll sit here on your desk and talk. Yeah, go ahead. Now, he waits until I get to the apartment. This man who's afraid the girl will spill the beans about the two of them. Previously, he'd threatened her if she talked. But she was afraid to go to the police. Only because the police couldn't help her. Meaning that the man who threatened her... Was on the force. <laughs> oh, it's funny, huh? Yeah, you're doing a lot of talking, but you haven't said anything yet. All right, I'll start now. That was only the build-up. Wait till I get through. I'm waiting. So Cassidy kills her, frames me, tips the police. Sure, only he was here when I sent him out to follow up the tip. How could he kill her and get back in that short time? Because the call came from here. Look. All you have to do to get an outside line on one of these phones is to push up this lever. You get a dial tone. You dial police, put in a fake call, and sit back and wait to be sent out on it. Yeah. But there's only one more thing wrong, Holiday. Name it. You got there early. I know I did. I... What? I said you got there early. Yeah. I got there early. Not at 3.30, as the letter asks, but at 3.20. Now, how could you know that unless you read the original letter? Don't move, Halliday. I won't, because I'm not finished. The man who killed Miss Kennedy and Duvall was you. You got Duvall's name and address from the copy of the bail receipt. You had access to it. You knew where to find him. What are you going to do with all this wonderful information? Give it to the police. I'm the police. I'm in charge of this case. Mm-hmm. And if I start to walk out of that door... You'll be killed while escaping. And if I sit right here on your desk... How will you explain a lot of things that will have to come out if I'm brought to trial? Yeah, that's true, too, isn't it? I guess the only thing to do is kill you. And turn around. I have to make this look good. You were running away from me. I shot you. Turn around, Holiday. If you don't, I'll do it for you. Now, get up. Okay. I'm up. Turn around. Start walking toward that window. Okay, I'm... I'm walking. That's it. Far enough. Now, Holiday. Uh... Down, Holiday. Yeah, Cassidy. Drop that gun, Lieutenant. Drop you it. stupid fool. Thank you, Cassidy. Thanks very much. Yeah. Say, say you're a pretty smart guy. A pretty smart guy to do what you did.
Mr. Holliday, it was a policeman that did the murders? Don't let that throw you, Susie. You see, there's a bad apple in every barrel, no matter what the barrel is. Don't let that change your opinion of the thousands of policemen doing a wonderful job all over the country. Of course. Mr. Holliday, how did it happen that Mr. Cassidy came in just at the right time? Because I was sitting on Johnson's desk. I don't get it. <laughs> well, you see, there was an inter-office communication box on his desk. I kept most of the levers pressed down. I, uh, I sat on them. Somebody had to hear that conversation between me and Johnson. And I figured someone would come in. If they hadn't have... Well, Edgemont is a nice city, but not one I'd like to be buried in. You sat on the levers through the whole conversation. Uh-huh. Gee, that's sure using your head, Mr. Holliday. It's your... Huh? Oh, good night, Susie. Listen in again next week when, through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd stars as Dan Holliday in Box 13. Box 13 is directed by Richard Sandville, and this week's original story was written by Russell Hughes. Original music is composed and conducted by Rudy Schrager, and the part of Susie is played by Sylvia Picker. Vern Carstensen is in charge of production. Box 13 is a Mayfair production from Hollywood. Watch for Alan Ladd in his latest Paramount picture. That wraps it up for tonight's show at 1001 Radio Grime Solvers. We really enjoy good reviews, so when you have a chance, say something nice about a selection of shows, or maybe suggest some to us. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.